Hi, I'm Alan Altman. And I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. everybody and welcome back to Billy Joel A to Z. Today we are talking about the second duet in Billy Joel history, Code of Silence, the eighth track off the Bridge album, Billy's 10th studio album, Code of Silence, was released only as a B-side off the single This is the Time in November of 1986, which was four months after the album's initial release, which means the album was a hit. Christopher Bonanos, New York Magazine, Elon, where does he put Code of Silence out of 121 Billy Joel songs? I think this is one of those songs that populates the bottom of the list. I'm going to say 103. You're getting good. He has that at 100. Oh, man. I swear. I was going to say 100. I was like, that's too round of a number. Yep. Nope. This is 100. That Bonanos wouldn't just use a round number. He's going to skip 100. But I was wrong. The way he says it. Another one I keep listening to over and over, trying to like it, which I feel is the, a good consensus. Can't tell you a word that stuck with me, a really solid performance of a not very interesting song. Glenn Gamboa, New York Newsday, 86 out of 124. And the fans rank it even lower at 109. It's the lowest song we've ever reviewed by the fans at this point in our time. Oh, that's interesting because we've had a few duds for sure, but the fans have always sort of liked those songs. I don't think they've had anything below 100 yet. And this is 109 out of 121. So the fans don't care for this song. I think as a fan, you don't really, you want Billy Joel to do his own thing. And when he brings in Cindy Lauper, you know, who was like this young pop star at the time, it kind of feels like he's losing who he is. It's not like Ray Charles where it's like a legend who's been a big influence. It's just all of a sudden you're doing a song with Cindy Lauper. That would be like if, you know, you two was doing a song with um, Justin Bieber <laughs> and you'd be like, this is a little off brand. You're thinking of now, but at the time, Cindy Lauper was huge when this was put out. So it, but was she huge for Billy Joel fans? Yeah, I, I would say they were equally as huge. I mean, her, you know, she had just come you know, around, she'd been around for two years. Uh, I think they're, I think they're sitting, they're standing next to each other in the, we are the world thing, which of course is, this is how this all happened. As I've told you before, I'm positive uh, that, you know, all these things were off the bridge album were made from this. We are the world taping where he and Ray Charles and Cindy Lauper were all together. That's right. I, I looked at it and I watched the video and in the chorus part where they're all singing the chorus of the song, he and Cindy Lauper are standing right next to each other. But that's so what I, think, I thought. I just yeah. remembered it. Because the other parts of the video, they're not together. But during that big chorus uh, camera shot, they are together. Right. Well, and of course, uh, she is one of the best parts out of that video. And Billy Joel is kind of the worst part. I always remember <laughs> seeing the video going up and he was just didn't have enough to do for being a Billy Joel fan. I think he just says, and the truth, 
And then you're like, that's it? Where Cindy Lauper gets like, wah, 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 wah. You know, she goes crazy and does this thing, and it's so awesome. And so I remember being very disappointed. That wasn't Billy Joel's fault. You know, it's just they, they had a lot of people to work with. At least he was there. At least he was asked to do it. Yeah, and I mean, look, he was one of the biggest names there, really. But he, he knew his role. This wasn't his kind of thing. He did his part, and that was it. She did great on her part. I think the worst part of it, because I just watched this video yesterday, Bob Dylan is terrible. Oh, yeah. No, he's and awful. he gets a pretty big part in this song. Well, and it is not right. good. And Bruce Springsteen um, just sort of hams it up too much. You don't under, you don't understand. You're not you're not thinking of the the time, the current time of it. And Bruce Springsteen was the most pop. You know, him and Michael Jackson were the most popular people on the planet. So if Michael Jackson hadn't written the song, he would have been in that Bruce Dinks where he's going to get his own thing and he's going to come out and do his thing because you saw what they did with for Bruce. Because like, wow, I can't believe they were like, we can't believe we got Bruce. And, the, you know, it's just uh, you have to understand the timing. It's just that's why that all happened. They put in the greats like a Dylan. They're like, well, we have to, you know, I guess. But <laughs> but with Spriggs, that's why he's hamming it up because he was the hottest thing in the world. At that time, that Born to Run album, or not Born to Run, uh, the Born in the USA album, he's wearing the Born in the USA costume, <laughs> you know. I mean, yeah, that's the thing. So Billy Joel at that time really wasn't the hottest person. So your your perception is skewered because you weren't born at the time. But, you know, Hall & Oates was hotter at that time. Yeah, and I saw, you know, Hall got his own solo. Oates is just part of the chorus. Oh, Oates has always been part of the car. But, <laughs> but that brings me back to what you're saying about this song. And, you know, I don't like it that much either, but I don't hate it like I do some of the other ones. Uh, and, and I liked it more as I was getting to play it, kind of the way Christopher Bernardo said it. I'm like, I'm trying to like it. I'm trying to like it. And I usually don't like harmonica starting songs, uh, but this one doesn't bother me. But Cindy Lauper is really just in the background. It's not an actual duet. She's really just doing backup vocals. And that's why it's okay. It's not like the Ray Charles where he's actually singing verses, uh, which is interesting because you would think, well, if I'm going to do a duet, let's go for it all. But uh, that's not the case. And uh, as you know, Cindy was only bought in because he was stuck with this song and she uh, you know, had some ideas. Right. So the story is that they were both recording at the same place. Um, she was recording in the studio below him. He had writer's block for three weeks, he says. He wasn't shaving. He was just so depressed about it. And she came in and was like, sit at your piano, play what you've got. I'm going to start writing down notes. And she came up with a, she helped him with a lot of the lyrics. And he gave her credit for that, which is pretty cool. And then he returned the favor to her because he sang backing doo-wop vocals on her song, Maybe He'll Know. Yeah, you know, my favorite uh, doo-wop. But uh, that song, Maybe He'll Know, actually isn't good in, until Billy Joel comes in, ironically. <laughs> yeah, so I listened to that song and it's like, I kept wanting it to go somewhere and it just doesn't. Yeah. I feel like it's all the intro to something that's going to happen and it never quite gets there. Cause it feels like it's going to be a cool, like early sixties girl group kind of song. It doesn't matter. True colors that that was off the album. And that particular song was such a huge, ridiculous monster smash. Nothing else on the album mattered after that. You know I mean? It's just the fact that this woman, Cindy Lauper, who's obviously a, a, a good hang because uh, people seem to like her a lot. Yeah. The fact that she was able to make a extremely popular second album, you know, being so weird and just basically having a girls just want to have fun. And the fact that she's able to come back two years later and make something special is a goddamn miracle in itself. So, you know, I mean, it's pretty impressive. 
Yeah, because you could think with a song like Girls Just Want to Have Fun that she'd be some one-hit wonder or wouldn't be taken seriously. But look, they put her in We Are the World. So they had a feeling that she had talent. And then she came out with this next album, which was obviously... No, a you're hit. missing it again. She was that huge. They didn't but have but a only feeling. because the Girls Just Want to Have Fun, mainly. And she did that song for Goonies, which is great. Right, but... That's what I'm saying. They were using the most popular people at the moment. But you could strike out. You could take the most popular people at the moment and end up with, uh, you know, some real one hit wonder losers who when you watch the video, you're like, who are these people? But most of the people in that video, they pretty much got it right. I think. Uh, how do you explain Kim Carnes? I love Kim Carnes. Yeah, exactly. Shut up. More love. <laughs> right. Uh, I don't know. I think that's I her only... song. How do I know that? That's not good. The only reason why she was there is because she did that song, Betty Davis eyes. And it was such a smash at the moment that she was asked to be in it. I mean, she never should have been in something like that. I yeah, think and she, Latoya Jackson. You know, well, she, you know, I, I guess Michael was like, we could put Latoya in. Us. He was like, I need at least three of my siblings to be in this or I'm not doing. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because I think Dan Aykroyd's in it, too. And nobody understood why. But he's also in the Canadian. We are the world that Brian Adams wrote. <laughs> so he got to do both. And I think there was a couple of British people that were in, do you know, it's Christmas. See, that's what they were doing all this year, that 85, I guess it was. And they just they kept going to each other's charity songs. <laughs> like it was kind of weird. It was a very strange time. And they changed the world. Hunger yeah. ended because of these songs. It was Isn't beautiful. that great? Isn't that terrific? Now we live in a utopia. But yeah, Cindy Lauper, it's a, a she's a very interesting person in the music industry because she's still around. People still love her. And she, you know, I remember I remember my dad used to say he prefer her and Madonna used to be compared a lot. And my dad used to say, I prefer that one because she's got more of a sense of humor. Yeah, she's definitely funny. And she's Lauper. so New York, like her speaking voice is so funny. It's such a thick New York accent, which is yeah. great. And she used to have all the, the the wrestlers. I think she was friends with Lou Albino, and he was in a bunch of the videos, if I remember correctly. Yeah, because he's in the Girls Just Want to Have Fun video. I think he plays her dad, right? Oh, okay. The, then that makes... Okay, so just the Girls Who Want to Have Fun, right? But I remember when she had her first concert, you know, when this album came out, and it, I was in college, and she uh, somebody told me from the radio station we worked at, he's like, oh, I just saw her in concert. I'm like, well, what does she do? You know, he's like, oh, she just plays every song off the album. <laughs> you know, so like oh. what a strange idea. <laughs> well, but there was a lot of good songs off that album too. It was a very strong '80s album. Girls just want to have fun is actually the worst song off the album. Uh, maybe I'll listen to it. I've never really delved into her um, catalog, but it sounds like I mean I know she's very talented. Well, that so uh, I, I'm just off the top of my she bop was like a really good one. Oh, I know and, that one. Uh, uh, there's another one I'm missing off that album, which was good. oh my god, time after time, which is amazing which, you know, people play to this day in the wedding. I like that she wasn't a one-hit wonder and then came out, you know, in True Colors, just unbelievable. And then uh, the third album, I don't know why I know all this. Uh, she had that one song, uh, Drove All Night, and so many other people cover her songs. I know she didn't write them, but she obviously knows how to put together a song, which is, I suppose, why Billy Joel asked her to for help. Now, as you know, me and Sarah Silverman and Danny Vermont, our guest uh, after the bees, all performed this song together in the early 90s at the Triple Inn, the Yield Triple Inn on what, what was the Yield Triple Inn on 54th Street and 8th Avenue. 
And I, I guess we chose this song because I always was singing two Billy Joel songs. Danny would play the piano and we would practice and I would sing two Billy Joel songs once a year at this place, the Triple Inn. This is the story we've been waiting for. It's been teased before, but we've been <laughs> waiting for the Code of Silence episode to hear about this amazing performance you did with Sarah Silverman. Tell yeah, us more weird. about it. Well, there, that's the thing. I guarantee, because we're going to have her as a guest, and I guarantee she probably doesn't remember much of it either. It's hard to remember. It was a long time ago, but we practiced it. We went to some place. Somehow we got a, a studio to practice in, and Danny was able to, you know, muddle through the piano part of it, which is, you know, not easy it wasn't a familiar song that he could put together yeah and we just chose this song and we went for it and we had a really fun time doing it together i don't remember what i sang before code of silence you know i bought her on stage it was either honesty or i can't remember i remember you know i just i can't remember what other songs i did there i think i did six songs imagine it was river of dreams and billy joel was there in the audience and he was like this is good stuff it couldn't have been River and then he, of And it came out six. No, I'm saying he stole it from you. Oh, <laughs> right. this sounds like one of my tunes in the future. <laughs> but yeah, no, we just I remember we played it and people were almost like, I mean, they Sarah wasn't Sarah, but she was, you know, cute and funny. And we just had a good time. And, uh, you know, I think people were angry, like, why are they doing this song? You know, it but that's funny. That's what makes it good, I think, is that it's such a random song to do from his catalog. And I, I really, whenever you told me that you guys did this, I always pictured it as like you were there one night and you were like, hey, let's do Code of Silence. And you kind of just like muddled through it. But you guys actually rehearsed this like to make yeah. it a good performance. Yeah, we spent time and we put it together because this isn't one of those songs where you can just like honesty or something where you can really just, I could practice at home, Danny could practice himself, and you just go for it. This is a complicated song in a, in duet form mm-hmm. uh, that, that needed to be practiced, let alone for Danny's, uh, you know, piano playing. You know, he's not a professional. He just knew how to play every Billy Joel song, as we heard him uh, say in the, you know, in the interview. He just, he was just good with that. Uh, again, I think Alex Sulkin, the showrunner for Family Guy, who we're going to have on, is similar. He can play any Billy Joel song as well. Something I don't know whether it means that Billy Joel songs are just easy, or <laughs> like just when you're into it and you're that into Billy Joel, you just want to be able to play it. I think it's that. I think it's the desire. Because you know, I was feeling that way about Cette Trois. <laughs> right, and you play you you played me some of you playing it. You and you did pick it up. Well, I picked it up right, and that's what those guys do. I think too. We're not great piano players. We're not Billy Joel, but we just can muddle through the best we can and, you know, just have a good time. And, you know, it's exciting to play. Uh, I, I I don't know whether I ever told you uh, what's, what's, was it moving out? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. I think that was the first, when I first got my piano, I was playing that and my, my neighbors are like, Hey, you the guy playing the Billy Joel upstairs. And I'm like, uh, Oh yeah. Sorry about that. No, no, it's great. Turn it up. <laughs> right. Then I was like, oh, well, and then I felt bad that I was playing the same song over and over. And then I started getting nervous. Like, I'm like, geez, I, now that I know people are listening, I, I, I better take it up a notch somehow. But I'm not sure with what. It's like when you're starting to do comedy, you're doing bringer shows and your friends come to see you. And then they come again. And you're like, I better do new material because I, I don't want them to see my old stuff. Right. It's exactly like that. You don't think it's going to happen in your own household, though. But yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, after doing this song and and and, play, and singing it with Sarah Silverman, which is funny now, I I still don't you know think of it often. 
I, when I hear about Code of Silence, I only think of me and Sarah singing it. And I don't even remember how it goes until I heard it again uh, today or, you know, the past week uh, preparing for this podcast. I'm surprised that when you think of the song, you only think of you and Sarah Silverman singing it and you don't think of one of Billy Joel's live performances of this song. What are you saying? Well, I'm saying uh, that makes sense because he's never played this song live. Oh, that's what I thought. Made yeah. you might, I thought you were setting it up and I wasn't positive. He's yeah, never no, no, played good. this. Isn't that interesting? Here we go again, where we were talking about Baby Grand, you know, that he does with his daughter sometimes. And we said the only other one he could do in a duet would be Code of Silence. And I thought it wasn't maybe right for a uh, father and daughter. So you're saying he's just chosen to never play this song. How I guess, you know, what we were talking about that he had the writer's block. He was growing a beard. He was so upset he couldn't get Code of Silence together. You know, it's like, I guess the end result wasn't, you know, big shot or moving out or so, you know, it's that it's kind of a bummer. So he had all this time and he's probably like, eh, I, it's finished. But, uh, you know, because they, I guess that's why he chose never to play it. He's like, I still don't like it. I never got it right. He's probably thinking that in his head, I guess. Yeah, it's like, well, it's a song. It rounds out the album. That's great. But it's and maybe because someone else helped him write it. Maybe he just kind of felt like I, in concert, I want to play my stuff. And this is slightly not fully I my stuff. Yes. I mean, Jesus Christ, you know, you're playing ninety nine point nine percent of the stuff you wrote. And you you really feel that guilty? Like, well, Cindy kind of helped me with some of the lyrics. On if this she's one. not here. I don't know if I, should yeah, I feel really bad. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, though, because he's I mean, this is a guy who has done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of live shows. So you'd think that every one of his songs would have gotten played at some point. But it's interesting that we keep finding a, a couple here and there that he hasn't played. I just don't understand if you're at Madison Square Garden and you have Jimmy Fallon coming out and, you know, all these guest stars that come out. Wouldn't this be a, a good one to just have, so, you know, a, a woman with an outstanding vocal range, you know, sing? Maybe she could do something first and then go into this one. I mean, why not once once or even him with Jimmy Fallon? It would be kind of funny if, if Jimmy Fallon did this Cindy Lauper. Well, exactly. That's what I, once I said it. I was like, yeah, that would be hilarious if Jimmy Fallon did that. Well, they're probably just not thinking that way. If Code of Silence probably just isn't in his head. Yeah, I don't think he thinks. But about maybe it's maybe it's very much like it in like Pee Wee's Big Adventure when he keeps going past the uh, the animals to shop the pet store and when it's on fire and he sees the snakes and he keeps going back and he's like, Ew, screw them. And then he keeps going back and seeing them. He goes, no. And then finally at the end, he takes the snakes out. <laughs> Maybe when Billy Joe is looking at his catalog of 121 to whatever we have, 124 songs. And he's like, well, which one? I bet you he just keeps going past Coda. No, no. And then he goes back to it again. Two months later, he's like, no, no. And, and then maybe it will pop up. Eventually, I just feel he keeps because, you know, he's going over the list yeah, uh, all the time to figure out, you know, in a couple months in advance, let's do this this time. Let's do this. And, you know, he's seeing it and he's just like, eh, it'll eh. happen. I bet it'll happen. It would be like his 80th birthday anniversary show. Cindy Lauper will pop out and they'll they'll do a version. Well, of that's it. the other thing. How does Cindy Lauper, who lives in New York, not come out at one point during, you know, 50 or 100 shows? I mean, how does that not happen? Well, actually. actually, you know, Cindy and Billy have played live together another time in 1988. 
I don't know if you've seen this on YouTube, but it was the late night with David Letterman's sixth anniversary special at Radio City Music Hall. Yeah, I did see it. I remember seeing it live too. And you were there live? No, no. I saw oh, it on TV it, live. Aired it. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like this big musical number with like a ton of stars, Benny King, Carol King, Joe Walsh, Roberta Flack, Ashford and Simpson. Oh, they're and uh, it's a big med- melody medley of oldies. And they're not really singing together. They're singing different parts of it. But it was kind of cool that they were part of this and that the Letterman show in its only sixth year could get like this huge event going for them. Pretty impressive. Well, that's why they made it. That was the joke that they didn't make it the five year or they made it the six. Like that was like, let's do something <laughs> big for the six. We'll do something stupid for the fifth. They used to have the anniversary shows. They were trying to do anything. Johnny Carson didn't do. They were trying to make it on, even though he worshiped Johnny, they had one of the anniversary shows on a plane and Paul Shaver just had a small keyboard and a little Casio. Uh, so they were always trying to do something. So that's why making it the sixth big, it was like a joke. But again, you see, and Cindy Lauper was definitely a favorite of that show. She fit it perfectly. The late night New York kind of thing. She was huge. I, you, you'll never know. You know what I'm saying? Like nobody who wasn't born then and old enough to know how absolutely huge she was. You know, it really as big as Madonna. She just didn't have the staying power. Right. And now people of my generation just know her from her appearance on The Celebrity Apprentice. Yeah. That and they'll they'll know girls just want to have fun and that's about it. Yeah. yeah. Or but and it's weird because time after time is played everywhere and you know she's so good at it or the way she can rasp her voice for that and true colors. And yet, yeah, nobody cares. Well, Dave, it's time for the trivia portion of our show. Do you have a stumper for me? Yes, I got one. On the Cindy Lauper True Colors album that Billy appeared on, what legendary comic, movie, and Saturday morning television star also appeared on the album? Pee Wee Herman. How did you know that? Because the hint was great. Okay, well, Saturday morning and movie star, that's the only one person to me. I'm so glad because I do try and give you the good hint so you will get it right. But I thought maybe you looked it up or something because you guessed it so quickly but i also said a reference to it earlier and i thought about it when i was making the reference to Wee's big adventure i'm like well this will help him later it'll put it in his head yeah maybe that did help when you're talking about the scene from Wee's big adventure maybe that put it in my head but i think i would have guessed it i, I would have got it I, I actually think of them as being in the same social circles in the 80s in oh, my excellent. mind they go together well i gotta tell you folks if you ever listened it's a song called 911 it's on the true colors album i think it's the last song on the album it's awesome he plays the 911 operator as Wee herman and it's really funny it's at the very end of the song <laughs> you've reached 911 you know, that's really Fuck your emergency <laughs> yeah it's good stuff all right do you have one for me i do so there are only two songs on all of Billy Joel's studio albums where he is credited, where he has credited a co-writer besides himself. Everything else is just words and music by Billy Joel. Two times he has given credit to somebody else. One time is this song, Code of Silence, and there's one other song. What is it? Wow. Jeez, I should know. Hmm. Boy, that's tough. I didn't, uh, maybe I didn't know that. Because I don't know, can you tell me the album? It's on An Innocent Man. No, I got nothing. 
Okay, so what he does is on the song This Night, he gives a co-writing credit to Beethoven. You know what? I hate you so much, Elon. You and your stupid <laughs> trivia questions. Uh, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. How would I ever guess that? Because it's, 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 a, it's a fun fact that some fans know. I, I just found this out recently, but because the chorus of that song uses the second movement of Beethoven's Pathetique Sonata. Um, he, I guess, tongue-in-cheek credits Beethoven, even though you don't have to because it's like public domain stuff. Well, it is funny. It was a good, it was an excellent trivia question. I just, you know, it's just angry because I couldn't get it. But that is funny, but I also hate that song, I think. Because it sounds like some old classical song, and you're like, why is this old song? I on? guess, again, I don't remember that song at all, so we'll wait to the tease where there's so much to get to. Yeah, oh you're, we're only going to get to this night after we do all the thes. So this oh is going to be the 48th song in the tees. Wait, how many tees are there? Are no, there's really? not that many. Oh, you're I, kidding. Oh, yeah, kidding. no, no. It's not a big deal. And hey, folks, a lot to look forward to in the tees. All those the songs you love. <laughs> right. All the ones we keep getting complaints about. <laughs> you jerk offs. <laughs> well, folks, it's time for the Weird Alon parody of the day. And today I actually wrote two. One of them wasn't good, so I... I jettisoned it, and I'm going with this other one instead. This one is called Cone of Ice Cream. <laughs> You're so stupid. <laughs> but yet I secretly love it already. So, Dave, I want you to help me out with this song because you're going to be my Cindy Lauper. So I'm going to put the words on the screen so that you could uh, come in at the right moment. Oh, okay. And you can't lose your focus because you're holding a cone of ice cream <laughs> and you know it's going to drip all over. Unless you lick around the sides. No, you can't lose, lose your, focus your focus for even <laughs> just one second. Or your whole cone of ice cream will melt onto your hands. Hey, now. Oh, man, we are good. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> okay, now I'm pretty sure everyone wants to know. What was the first one? <laughs> At least what was the what was the the idea? Okay, so the first version of this song was called Cone of Silence. That makes more sense. That's And what... from the show Get Smart. Right, of course. That's exactly what I was hoping you were going to do, actually. I, I'm going to tell you this. Many more people know what a cone of ice cream is than the cone of silence. Oh, I guess you're right. Well, folks, that was Code of Silence. If you like our podcast, be sure to go to Apple and give us five stars. We release new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday, so make sure you hit subscribe so you never miss a single song. Follow us on social media at Billy Joel A to Z and give us some feedback. Would you like to hear Dave and Sarah Silverman reprise their performance of Code of Silence on this podcast? Do you agree with Dave that Cindy Lauper was a bigger star than Billy Joel at the time of this song? And did you remember that Kim Carnes was in the We Are the World video? Until next time, I'm Alan Altman. I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z.
my 